Welcome to the Sales Development Podcast, your trusted resource for the latest strategies, tactics, and tips on running a high-performance sales development program. Sales development has grown to become a critical part of the success of high-growth companies, and we dive in each week on how to specifically make your program successful and accelerate your career advancement. Subscribe at iTunes, YouTube, and jump on the newsletter over at 10pound.com to make sure you never miss an episode. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Sales Development Podcast. I'm your host, David Delaney. Joined today by Mr. Taylor Ryan, a partner over at Clint Marketing. Taylor, how are you doing today, sir? I am fantastic. It's getting towards the very end of the day. So yeah, surprisingly enough, it's been a good day. Awesome, dude. Well, thank you for coming on the show. This is going to be interesting because Taylor is an expert in digital marketing and working with clients to increase their their sales in regards to the funnel and all the different aspects that go into that. And I'm excited to, you know, just introduce you to the audience and, and learn more about everything that goes into, you know, digital marketing and how you can create interest, you know, online. And it, you have a really interesting backstory as well. I mean, you're, you're, you are at the end of the day. So I'm in California. It's early morning. You're at the end of the day. Where are you? And how did you, you know, go to start uh, Clint Marketing and start this this whole career that you have? Yeah. So I've been in Copenhagen, Denmark for the last four, four and a half years, basically. I came out here to visit in, I guess it was summertime of 2015. I actually had a friend that was getting married in London. And so another buddy of mine was like, look, if you've already booked those tickets, it's about $30 to go round trip. Why don't you stop by here instead of spending your entire vacation in England. And so I only came for like a three day weekend. And it's this funny thing where they say, hey, you know, if you don't like beautiful cities, biking and beautiful women, Copenhagen is not for you. And so, yeah, I kind of, I got drawn in, man. It was, it was just one of those like perfect kind of scenarios. And I also found out that yeah, they get five weeks of paid vacation, no matter who you are when you move here. So it's, it's a work-life balance kind of chasm that you don't really see in the States. And it's, it's been a crazy grind. I've actually worked as either the head of marketing or a CMO for the last four and a half years at some of the fastest growing startups, but it's not without its own challenges. I've, I've actually been fired four times in the last four and a half years. So it's, it's also been yeah, <laughs> a trying time. I think a lot of the Americanisms in me and I would say a lot of, yeah, more of the, well, let's just say, blunt approach to marketing doesn't always mesh well with the European sensibilities. Wow. Okay. I definitely want to dive in on that. You know, what is the cultural, you know, it sounds like there's a cultural difference in, in how you, you know, go into it from an American perspective and you butt heads a little bit. Well, absolutely. I think especially if you break down some of that East Coast mindset, I'm originally from Washington, D.C. or just outside of it. The idea is you always want to do as much as possible before somebody either begs you to stop calling them, stop emailing them, or they're, they're begrudgingly saying, look, you drive a hard bargain, but I'll sign this deal. So that to me is, is kind of what I've always been brought into is either somebody that does growth hacking, which is kind of like the more methodical approach to marketing, or somebody that came from a background 
of doing some hard selling. Like I, I got my start as, I guess, like full-time career as a door-to-door window and siding salesman, at which case you sit in somebody's kitchen, you make the father, usually the dad, sit in the kid's seat and you say, I'm going to sell some fucking windows until you throw me out of this house. And oddly enough, you know, people would buy, but sometimes you have people that would be really upset with that idea. So like that hard-nosed selling was also what kind of built the foundations for how I go about marketing. And so you would bring this this kind of ethos to the companies over there and they would just be like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Okay. So like just before, <laughs> just before GDPR, which is this whole crazy thing that isn't really even remotely close to any legislation in the States, California's kind of getting there. But basically, there's now a rule that says you cannot just blindly blast people with emails without having purpose and unsubscribe and all that. I was doing this this crazy kind of email blast stuff and for lack of a better term, spamming people well before there was legislation against it. And so one of the companies that I was with, I basically scraped every employee's LinkedIn contacts, enriched the data, and then blasted these people basically looking like it was coming from one individual in-house. And I think we hit close to 40 or 50,000 people within the span of I think it was like a week and a half and we generated something like a thousand plus leads, which turned into about 150 meetings, which resulted in the company hitting its last tranche, which then resulted in the company staying open and also getting another big infusion of of capital. So like, you know, say what you want as far as this stuff being less than savory or shady, whatever you want to call it. It's like, all right, well, like I fucking put numbers on the scoreboard. So like, what do you want to call that? You know? And obviously that doesn't always gel well with everyone. And what was their, what was their, you know, problem? They, they thought that you were just damaging the brand or it just wasn't the way things are done, quote unquote. Yeah. What was the main issue? So there's this really interesting phrase or classic belief system here in Denmark and in much of Scandinavia, it's called Yentalo. And it basically means don't stand out, don't make yourself different, don't do things that would put you in a different set of the group, which basically is is kind of all of the razzle-dazzle that is marketing, that is trying to find new and and unique ways of, of closing deals. And so if that goes against most of your core principles, you're going to struggle. <laughs> so yeah, there's there's definitely some differences there for sure. Yeah, and, and that's interesting because that probably goes all the way back to, you know, the origins of the culture in that if you, if you were outside of the group, you know, if you didn't fit in with the group, then you you would die, you know, because you'd get eaten by a saber-toothed tiger, right? If you were <laughs> ostracized. <laughs> From the group. And, and it's yeah. it just, I mean, I think it's like that a lot, but do you find that, you know, the American culture somehow, it seems like there's a little bit more acceptance toward like going out of the herd and trying something. Yeah. You know, there's a really, I can't remember the name of the publisher, but it was this neuroscientist that published basically a large number of CAT scans from the United States and found that there was a certain layout of the brain that seemed to be pretty common with the types of people that would leave everything behind, or crazy people, basically. So you leave everything that you know behind as an immigrant and come to a new place that you've never seen before in order to make it. 
you must be out of your mind. And we have a higher rate of those people. So it means we have more eccentric people in the US, which to me is great when you're trying to build a business, maybe not so much when you're trying to go through a mall without getting shot. So there's a lot of different ways to look at it. But yeah, this huh. is this is the people that stuck kind of, you know, to what they were doing. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, in some ways, you know, economically and culturally and everything, it's it's incredibly difficult to be an immigrant, right? But I mean, that's just a given. But on the flip side, if you if you drop the baggage, you know, and you you drop all the you know, notions of your home country and you just come over here, it's like per- the personal baggage. It's got to yeah. be free, you know, in some ways that you can start over, you know, and, and you could try yeah. something. And I mean, you here never... in, Sil- in Silicon Valley, I mean, a lot of the biggest companies are started by immigrants to the United true. States. It's amazing. Very true. I, I think one of the, the interesting things is I, I do meet a fair amount of people that try to reinvent or have left somewhere. And, you know, the thing that you can't escape is yourself. And so there yeah. is a lot of unfortunate circumstances where it's like, hey, look, your your problems aren't left behind when you decide to up and move 3,000 or 6,000 miles away. And I think I've definitely come to terms with all of the interesting and crazy things that kind of run through one's mind. And, and if you've ever moved a great distance, it honestly is the weirdest part coming back. And I think that's like the, the secondary culture shock of like, oh shit, like this, this used to be like a whole different life, you know, and this was what I thought was a nice place. And this is what I don't have anymore. And I miss that. And like all these little things that pop up. It's so what do you think? Crazy. Are you going to come back or are you just going to stay over there? No, I miss the U.S. I miss a lot of it. You know, this is a country of five and a half million people, which means the biggest businesses are are shadowed, dwarfed by some of the pretty standard sized companies. If you look at the average ARR of, of most medium sized businesses out here, it's nothing compared to the U.S. And so, you know, you, you kind of run through these these mental loops of like, all right, well, why am I fighting tooth and nail for really basic contracts from companies that aren't really that amazing, that robust. But I know if I went back to DC, I'd have deals left, right, and center. And also people like to network, people like to wheel and deal. It's just, mm. you have to remind it's yourself, this isn't, yeah. yeah, this isn't home, yeah. you know, right. and, and it's, it's all gravy. It's just, it's part of kind of figuring out a new place. Okay. So now, so you're butting heads with the, with the, the folks, if you're trying to go in-house. So did you start your your own agency, or or are you? Did you start with a group of people? How did Clint Marketing, you know, get going? Yeah, so I think a lot of people get into certain careers because they see somebody that is doing what they always looked upon amorously or thought was like a really cool gig, and they realize that like this person sucks. It's always like there's that phrase: never meet your heroes. Because you'll always be disappointed. <laughs> yes. So I, I've yeah. had that experience. Yeah. Really? Well, no, I'd love to hear yours before I go on to this. Like, I'm, I'm curious what your, your experience was. God. Uh, well, okay. <laughs> well, it's a guy who I admired, you know, online. He's like an online guru. And, and then, you know, when I met him, he was signing books. And, you know, he had probably, I got to, I got to, you know, give the guy props. Like he probably had, signed about a thousand books that day <laughs> and yeah. finally, when i came up to him he, he was just completely blank you know and <laughs> i thought that there would be some kind of 
<laughs> some kind of, you know, personality there or or at least some kind of acknowledgement, you know, that I was a fan. And I, I you know, now that I even think about it, it's like, got to got to, you know, be empathetic to the guy because he was probably just completely burnt. But it's true. I mean, it's like you, you build somebody up, you just maybe just like a like a smile or a thank you or something like that. But this guy was completely blank when I finally met him. So interesting. Yeah. yeah. I've, now I've had varieties of that. I think mine was a bit more of like, I recognize that like this person has the career that I have always kind of sought after. And then you see this person take the stage and riff, you know, playing Kenny G jazz over here, basically not really prepared, hadn't put any time or effort into a speech, just like, well, what's what's in the news? Like, you're not fucking Jay Leno. You don't have a team of writers behind you. And you didn't try to do anything other than waste the audience members time. And to me, like that was that was absurd. Like if there's 50 people in a room and your speech is half an hour, you've, can, you've wasted like 24 hours of collective time. So oh, I, was, no. I was looking at this and I'm like, I can do better than that guy. That guy's a dick. So I would basically start reaching out to these. Can I curse? By the way, I'm doing a lot of it already. I, I hope that's yes. <laughs> okay, cool. That's encouraged. So, <laughs> So like I, I ended up meeting with a couple of the event organizers and I'm sure you've done it because I know you're you're running a ton of events, but like the first time that I got on stage in a really long time, it was a kick of adrenaline. And it's, you know, like I'm not going to jump out of fucking airplanes. Like that's crazy. I'm not doing MMA. Like I, you know, I'm ugly <laughs> enough as is, don't need to do that. So like this is my adrenaline rush is getting a chance to kind of play on stage. And so after I'd finished going over something that I learned and, and marketing or a new tactic in sales, I would have people come up to me and, and ask me, hey, do you have any room to work on my project? And I, for a long time, was just saying like, nah, I'm, I, I got my own gig and a side thing. And then people started really imploring going, look, how much do you charge? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> like, yeah, duh, of course. Like, yeah, you want, you want to exchange money for this. Like, okay, let's do that. So that was a few years ago. And, you know, with, with kind of, there's never like green lights all kind of aligned at once. But when I got let go from my last company, I was looking around, I'm like, this, there is no better timing to, to really go all in on my agency. I, I was already working nights and weekends on, on side stuff. Like this made sense. So in September of this past year, that's when I basically launched fully in and September. yeah, I haven't looked back. Yeah. Okay. And then, so how do you like educate us? Like, you know, because a lot of the people that, that listen to this are doing sales development. So they're getting stuff from marketing and trying to turn it into an appointment or they're cold calling. Right. And yeah. they're trying to put that whole thing together. So educate us like how do you when you start to work with a client what kind of information do you get from them and then how do you determine you know the strategy sure so like let's i think taking even a step just before that is like where where are the clients going like what is the swim lane or i think i've, I've often used the phrase watering hole basically like i i realized that 
give it, you know, like the Savannah again. Okay. Yeah. You know, (laughs) like think of it, think of it like basically if I know that I'm immediately approaching people that I've never met before and going all in over the top selling, I'm not going to make it. They're going to, they're going to be put off. But if I'm hitting either an existing network of people that go to a, a website or a forum or a group to find people like me, then it's going to come off way more natural. So that means, are there groups where people go to ask questions about how to sell? Because that to me would be a really nice open invitation to say, well, selling's cool, but how are you doing in terms of like qualified leads? So if you're selling, I don't know, like there's so many different products out there, but if you're selling software as a service and maybe it's, I don't know, like what was one of the companies, like hourly shift worker software. And so like super niche. So I would want to go where people that have hourly jobs congregate and bitch and moan. So that's Reddit, that's Quora, that's in many cases forms that are specific to that industry. But also probably one of the most untapped areas is Facebook groups. People are so active in Facebook groups because it seems genuine. And Facebook continues to punch that not only in your notifications, but in your newsfeed. So if something new comes out, that has a ton of engagement, you get notified on Facebook and then you go in and actually view it and click on it. So those are kind of the channels that I would say I've I've been tapping into, but I'm also in a much smaller country. So I've tried LinkedIn automation, I've tried email automation, certainly a ton of different types of content. I mean, you really have to pull every trigger available to you and hit such a broad scope in order to start narrowing down what actually works. Okay, let me, that's, this is really interesting. So what you're saying is when you first come in, you go to sort of the end users of the products and try to find out where they congregate and where they're bitching and moaning and complaining about the problems that they have. That's the first place that you start. Yes. That's brilliant. Okay. So so basically what you're doing is you're, you're going in and you're trying to find out what their main pain points are and, and what their problems are and the vocabulary that they use and stuff like that. Yeah. Because guess who has the perfect solution to their problem, right? You know, like yes. if I'm selling HR tools, I need to be in HR groups waiting for somebody to trigger the right question, which is, isn't there software to do this? Like, uh, by the way, that's what I'm selling. You know, like you should yes. check out this tool. And okay. you know, it's not hard to join these. The other way to do it is making fake accounts. So I have, I don't know, like between eight to 10 different fake accounts. And they're all a part of anywhere from 20 to 50 different groups on Facebook. LinkedIn's a waste of time for groups, by the way. They never, they never really get anything going because they don't hit your newsfeed. But yeah, why wouldn't you do that in oh, terms of being able to hit people? Yeah, I've always the, wondered uh, why the groups? groups never really took off in LinkedIn, but that's why, because they, they never show up in your feed. Yeah, I think people have this really nice idea of like, oh, cool. I, I think it happens when people are somewhat new to LinkedIn. Well, they'll join like one or two groups to kind of see what it's all about. But most of the time, it's just sales pitches. Like I don't see real activity in any of the groups that I've ever been a part of. I'm sure it ebbs and flows and maybe somebody listening is like, oh, that's not true. I'm in the, the sales professionals group and like, we're awesome. And it's like, okay, I, you found the one group, you know, it, it's, it's just not a thing, unfortunately. And I, I could see where it would be valuable, but I haven't gotten anything from it yet. Okay. So like if someone's listening out there, they want to try it. What if they're in, 
you know, their industry is like mechanical engineering or something like that. And, and, you know, they're struggling to find the bitch and moan, you know, group, whatever group it is, if it's on Facebook or whatever. I mean, how do you go about finding those, those groups? All right. Well then let's say that we take, let's take LinkedIn, for example, I'm sure that if you look in LinkedIn, mechanical engineering, there will be groups that people inadvertently join, not knowing that there was going to be no activity. I would either use Phantom Buster or TexAU, TexAw, I think is what they call it now, which is silly. But yeah, there's basically a script in there that would allow you to run a proxy and then scrape every unique ID from that group, which means you get first name, last name, job title, company, and of course the LinkedIn URL, which either can be enriched to get an email address to blast these people and be like, hey, I know that you're everybody's favorite engineer on LinkedIn. We should totally have a conversation because here's something that I do that you might find interesting. You don't come out selling right away. Or I would put them in a custom audience and just run targeted ads against these people and see what happens. Okay. And and so this this could work. So that's for, you know, from a high level from a marketing perspective, first you find them, then what's your next step? You start to run ads against it, yeah. reaching out to them directly. How does that go? So I always run the the same type of sequence, which is target. So figure out exactly like who the buyer is and is it a bottom up or a top down type of situation. Then I discover their their details, their email address, their job title. Then I make sure to enrich. I validate their email so it doesn't get bounced. If it were LinkedIn, I wouldn't have to do that. And then I do sequenced outreach. So if it's, it's, let's say that we're just talking about LinkedIn right now. Sequenced outreach means that I'm setting basically an introduction message and then giving a little buffer of time to try to trigger a conversation. Conversations are where people eventually end up getting into phone calls. The conversation doesn't start with, I'm really handsome and I can bench press this amount and I can run a mile in seven minutes. Will you go home with me? That that's not <laughs> like that doesn't work at the bar, like unless you're the hot chick, and it certainly doesn't work in business. So you have to warm them up. And some of the best warm-ups are really broad but also somewhat interesting, where it's like crazy with COVID-19. I saw that you're working at insert company name. How are things going? Right? Super open-ended, isn't like a long introduction. They give an answer, and then based on that answer, you can start to pull different triggers that ultimately lead you in five steps to, dude, we should totally talk about this. Like, I, I did what you're doing. I know exactly what you're about. I actually work with people that are super similar to you. Like, are you open to scheduling a quick call? I'd love to do this. And that to me is kind of like the right nature of selling, but you can automate a lot of that. And, and trying to do this manually is... Yeah, it's impossible. Like we were talking earlier and you know, like there's so many businesses out there that only survive on in-person meetings and you know, networking events, conferences, and that kind of stuff. Like when that's pulled out of the equation, you either have to get a lot smarter really fast or you're going to struggle. And I see a lot more people in the second group. <laughs> it is. And and you know, a lot of the SDRs, BDRs, they're they're tasked with creating that process that you're talking about. So maybe they, there is no, you know, digital marketing person or there's no agency. They should probably call you. (laughs) So you can work with them. So they have to do it themselves. So back up a little bit. How, how do you begin to think about, you know, the, 
the outreach process and then map it out and then implement it so that you can automate more of it and you don't yeah. have to do every single step yourself every time. I think the way that I've always kind of gotten other people to understand this stuff is you need to, it's an iterative process. Like if you've ever seen like those cool videos on YouTube where it's a street vendor that has like super fast hands and like they're putting together like a thousand little tamales or they're doing a hot dog really fast or whatever and they chop up like 20 of them and <laughs> flip them over the shoulder. Like they've mechanized such an arduous process because you know if either one of us were to pick up the same tools, it would be an absolute joke and we would make a mess. But yeah. it's because they've done it so many times and they've reduced the amount of pauses, any type of like unnecessary muscle twitch They've streamlined everything to an art form. And you need to think about your business development like that. Why do I need to write the same stupid email a thousand times? Why wouldn't I send out a mail merge and use individual merge fields that are basically like unique fields that I can just upload a spreadsheet that has all of these to then begin that dialogue? So I guess this first step is, yeah, you need to understand like the ultimate goal is I need to get in, in touch with somebody so, so they'll respond work your way backwards and figure out, cool, if I can reach instead of a one-for-one one approach, I want to do one for a thousand. I need to write an email that will captivate. I need to get it sent out to a thousand people. And just for a heads up, only send out 300 of these mail merges at a time and pick a tool that you can learn from. And there are tons of tools like GMAS and MixMax. Like those are all kind of like the first order of like understanding and, and figuring out how these things go. And I think, yeah, like both of those have like 30 day trials or something absurd. Once you get a little more, yeah, a, a little more technical on it, there's so many more, yeah, like integration, integrated tools that are, are really interesting and allow you to see a lot more, but you have to start with baby steps. Like you can't start in a way down the line and picking up one tool and realizing, man, that wasn't actually that hard and that saved me time. It's like getting a, a flashlight in a dark room. You get to go explore. Got it. So you, you start with the process and get it mapped out and, and understand what your end goal is and kind of reverse engineer it. And then you start to plug in some of these tools. Now, if I take it from the flip side, like sometimes you see it on LinkedIn, like people are complaining about the outreach that they get from SDRs. You know, they're like, oh man, I got one of these automated emails or this wasn't personalized. This person doesn't understand my business. They're just bugging me, you know? Yeah. Like, how do you, how do you somehow balance that automation with not, you know, spamming people, basically? So here's an interesting thought. The way that LinkedIn's algorithm works might not be the most intuitive thing. Has anybody, I, <laughs> stupid question, like, has anybody gone over the LinkedIn algorithm with you? <laughs> I mean, people talk about it, but what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, like, it's it's one of those things that, <laughs> yeah. So, like, there's a really interesting play within LinkedIn where it goes through an approval process before you actually rank. And so, the way that it normally works, I have slides for this. I'd love to to actually do like a webinar with you to to make sure that it was highly visual. But basically, first you put out a status, and the status gets a little bit of traction, which is the initial indicator. So like that first hour that a status goes live, if you get, I think it's like upwards of 30 to 50 engagements, whether it's the see more button or a comment or a like, or even a share, it means that you've passed kind of level one of like, is this a good post? 
So the next level is then, all right, beyond one hour, if this continues to grow, what should we do about this? And it means that there's actually somebody at LinkedIn that is reviewing statuses to see, is this a super pretty girl with a low cut blouse that's saying, oh, can't wait for my first day. There's a reason that they're pulling those down. But if it's a status going, yeah, fucking spam and I'm a bitch because I can't handle somebody sending me a message on LinkedIn. Like, are you kidding me? Those messages go viral all the time. And it's, yeah, it's because LinkedIn controls the reach of these things. So So, there's no reason. So LinkedIn LinkedIn wants to promote, I mean, I'm extrapolating here, but LinkedIn wants to promote people complaining about spam because they're an engine to, you know, facilitate sales communication. Or am I way off base? <laughs> That's the ticket. I mean, that, yeah. That so a little much. Okay, go on. Go. I interrupt. So, go on. Yeah. So like the idea is that yes, that does exist, but also like there's a really interesting like write up by this guy Jonah Berger that that it's called the Steps S T E P P S to virality, and one of the the bigger P's in there is public. And that means things that we have all engaged in or have seen that might slightly annoy us that we can kind of come together and relate to. So like, yeah, I mean, we're all used to having a really poorly worded initial like connection. You're like, all right, fine, fuck it. And then an immediate like, hey, do you want to buy my development services? It's like, get the fuck out of my ear. So yeah, yeah development like there's services, lead leads generation. <laughs> it's just <laughs> yeah. off the hook. Which is hilarious. Okay, but go on. Yeah, so you get those. Yeah. And you're so just like, you do get those. This. Yeah. Right. And and so like of course there is a knee jerk reaction or a, a triggering effect because yeah when we do see that we we recognize and it's familiar and of course we relate. But the other side of it that we have to realize is sometimes a salesman comes a knocking and sometimes he answers the door. So I've definitely been in situations where I've been cold outreached, open the message, and I'm like. All right. Well, I mean, (laughs) I actually could use this service. Like timing is often everything, but you know, there wouldn't be a reason for spam if people never clicked and never engaged and never actually bought. So there is a reason for it. So timing, let's talk about timing. How do you, how do you crack that, that code? Because I'm the same way. Like when I, you know, three months ago, all live conferences were closed and I had to quickly figure out how to go virtual. And if somebody at that time would have reached out and been like, hey, I've got the perfect solution for this going from live to virtual, I probably would have taken that call. Like if they reached out and they wanted to do software development or lead generation, then that's spam, right? So how do you crack that, that timing nut? Yeah, so there's kind of a, a indirect way of hitting this, and it always kind of boils down to either that spark moment, which is so difficult to find, especially if it's like a B2B product, like you're really struggling to hit spark moment where it's like, aha, I need this product. I think often with a lot of, of digital products, software as a service SaaS, you end up having to do a bit of education before they fully comprehend exactly what your product does which most people kind of miss that step. So you Start have to figure education. out. Okay. Sort of, yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. So what is one order of magnitude away from that solution 
that can be searched for via intent. So like I'll, I'll provide an example. So like my last company, I don't care, valuer.ai. And don't go there, they're scumbags. Uh, or, ah, I'm recorded saying that. And <laughs> it undo. That's okay. Yeah, in any event, I wrote this article that was basically 50 examples of corporations that failed to innovate. Now, the reason for writing this article is that we supplied startups to larger corporates that were interested in the, you know, like buzzword of innovation. The reality is the reason or the consequence for not innovating was that you would be a failure as a company. So I wrote this piece in order to grab people that were concerned or fearful of what happens when you don't use my product. And so what ended up happening was, I mean, this, this one blog post, albeit it's a very long one, garnered more than 80% of our traffic for the better part of a year because it was the perfect set of keywords. It was the perfect intent, which is I might be searching for why a big company would fail because I don't fully understand or appreciate how somebody could innovate at a large company. And so if we can think about that within our own organization or just think about how people search, So if I'm looking for the capital of Denmark, then I don't really need to go to a website for that. You'll get hit with an answer snippet. But if I'm looking for apartments in Denmark, it means there's a high likelihood that I'm not just browsing because I'm bored, but I probably either want to buy one or I want to rent one. So if I can put together something in the way of content that allows me to search or be found via an ad while I'm searching, then that's kind of the name of the game right now. So we're looking for people's either subconscious intentions or direct intentions, which you kind of have to play around a little bit with it and it's not always going to work, but that's how I've played the game. And it's kind of going back to your first point about the groups and trying to find what people are thinking about. How do you, how do you start to you know, I guess, triangulate what those might be that the people are concerned about? Is it starting by going back to the groups and getting involved in their community and trying to figure out what people are are complaining about? So yeah, really good question. So I think often it comes in a couple of different forms. So like one is just Yeah, complaining and they're looking for a community to kind of alleviate some of their their anxiety of of, isn't this frustrating, but often it's there to actually get value. So I definitely think that within Facebook, people love to see little case studies of here's how I generated X amount of revenue using X solution or using this sales process. People love that. If it's what are the best tools for X I would go on to Quora and see if I could find via search, Quora is Q-U-O-R-A, what are the questions being asked that are either around my software as a solution, my product, whatever the case is, my industry, provide something in the way of a meaningful answer and always link to either your LinkedIn or I would say your, your company website would be the way to go. You need to provide you as a product or service as the answer to all of their questions. The other way of doing this is kind of some shady shit, but I love doing it. Take the most popular posts from other groups that are related to that industry and basically copy that and paste it in a different group where there are no people from that original group. Wait until the comments reach to be about 80% or 80%, 80 total comments and yeah, usually like 100 likes. 
and then edit that new post and put in a link to a blog or your website or your lead funnel, whatever landing page, and then save. And what you've essentially done is boosted a ton of engagement for a post that no longer represents what it was before, but it's loosely related. And thus you can continue to push it to the very top of the group by commenting on the other comments that are below, thus kind of hijacking groups. You got it's, it here. So, a- so now, now, you're, <laughs> now you're becoming like a mini marketer, right? I mean, like it, it's funny because for the SDRs, the sort of conventional wisdom is like, just pound the phones, just call people, you know, talk to them, get them to set up a meeting, you know? And I think some of the smarter, what's that? (laughs) It said, who's that for? Call the people who said no yesterday and talk to them again. You know, know. it's a very, you know, cause I, I think like a lot of the sales leaders now came up in, in the era where you, you could do that, you know, but they haven't gotten hip to, like what you just said, I mean, doing stuff like that, you know, it's like it, there's a there's a push and pull because, you know, they don't want SDRs necessarily to become mini marketers, but it's kind of what you have to do these days in order to get engaged in conversations with people. I agree. I, I think it's unfortunate because there is that old adage of like, everybody's got to be a salesman. You got to sell yourself. You know, like, I think we've all heard that Beat before. the phones, make it, make a yeah. hundred phone calls every day. I mean, I, coffees like, for closers. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I mean, it's, it's like, it's, 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 there's a lot of confusion out there because it's like, wait a minute, like one guy on YouTube is telling me to make a hundred calls a day. And then now this guy, Taylor is telling me to, you know, reverse engineer blog posts. And now the next guy, and it's like, what the hell am I supposed to be doing? You know? Yeah. Well, there's a couple of things there. I I totally get it. You know, like it, it depends on the product or service. If you're selling insurance and it's, it's a numbers game, like I feel really rough for you. And Hey, I've been there. I did for-profit education sales, scumbags. Well, they know they're scumbags. I did that. University. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, way back in the day, dude. I was like... Double guns. I would high-five you right now. After that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yes, oh, David, man. you're awesome. You know, those, all, those things, all those things went out of business. I mean, they got busted by the, by the feds, right? Because yeah. they were... They were... Scam. They were a total scam. But, you know, I think that... I think that that being said, okay, I've always, you know, both sides... That people could go through, get a good education, get a good job. You know, it was it was good, but there was a lot of shady practices happening with those. those. Yeah. But anyways, well, what, what we, you, you, yeah, were, you were contextualizing when to so use like, phone calls have, and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So like, have you ever been in like a job that like I'm sure exactly with like the the cold calling of of these for profit universities, and then maybe you go into a place that actually is genuine and has a real product like and you're like oh shit like this is what it's like to have a real job now yeah and, I, and i've yeah <laughs> and like it's crazy like the hell was i doing back there like you know yeah. fighting tooth and nail on a pirate ship like it was crazy you know and so you realize like if i'm learning at a level where i feel like yeah i could use some of this like tooth and nail kind of garbage hard selling fast talking on the phone in order to get I don't know, a couple of bucks for uh, every appointment that's set or every deal that's closed. Like you got to get the fuck out of there because that's not scalable in terms of the stuff that you're going to learn as, as a human being that wants to grow. So if you're selling something that you don't believe in, like that's already like heads up, like you're not in a great place. 
But the reality is people should want the product that you're selling. And if you're having to really fight for every single deal, there are easier ways to live. Like it, there's plenty of products out there that do this for you. And I would say that, you know, point. like the, yeah. yeah, like the, the sales guys that I always had like a chip on my shoulder were the folks from like Deloitte, KPMG, Booz Allen, Northrop Grumman. It's like, cool, dude. You, so you get to sell like the fucking F-15s and like the joint strike <laughs> fighters, you know, like that's an awesome fucking job. And I guarantee you that guy didn't sit around cold calling a bunch of homeless people that just got their phone reactivated to see if they wanted to go back to school, you know? So like at some point, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, David? I'm just saying, and 100%. no offense, <laughs> no offense to anybody that's, that's actually in that job, but dude, you have to fucking escalate beyond that. Like yeah. you're not going to learn anything there and it, it's not going to teach you how to be a better person. It's just going to teach you how to get frustrated going to work. Okay. So, so, so if someone's out there listening to this and they're in one of those jobs, you know, what you're saying is take a hard look in the mirror and just make sure that this is for you. And right. I mean, there's better ways to live than than what you, than than what we're describing here. Is that that correct? For the most part, yes. The, the caveat on that is that every salesperson in the history of sales for the most part has had to do a little bit of side hustle in order to get the leads in, in order to make sure that they were qualified. You're never going to have, I can't say never, there's very few instances where you're having just a deluge of leads. There's an endless amount and you get to cherry pick like the best, like people are begging to hand over the credit card. That's so rare and I'm sure it happens, but it's rare. And normally if you find something in between where, yeah, you're getting a couple of good ones, but using your own network, using a little bit of this kind of razzle dazzle and some of the techniques that I've, I've described, like that's going to help. And it also alleviates some of the monotony of just kind of rotating every single call. It's the same thing. Like you should be able to kind of move back and forth and discover like, cool, through the way that I answered this question, the amount of people that were talking about this, maybe I should talk about more of this in my pitch. You know, like these are different things that you get from doing both. And I think you should look at it as an exciting way to differentiate the day, not necessarily something that's just part of the slog. I hope that makes sense. It does. Yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, a lot of people look at this as like, this is where I cut my teeth, you know, in the, in the industry, I learn a ton, you know, I learn what works, what doesn't. And then the skills that they learn are totally transferable. I was saying before we got on this, I was doing SDR work five minutes before we started the podcast. I mean, you you never end. I mean, even if you run your own business or you're in marketing or other sales positions, I mean, you, you, you learn a ton from that position. So, but yeah, I I absolutely agree with that. Taylor, this has been amazing, dude. I I think it's inspiring to people what you've done and what you've been able to create. I definitely want to make sure that people can hook up and connect with you. Do they go to your website? What's the best way to connect after the show? Sure. So I think there, there's one other Taylor Ryan in Copenhagen, Denmark. So, okay. so if you look me up, Taylor Ryan, I'm the one who's running Clint Marketing and Architecture Quote. You can find, yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm always open and looking for new, interesting clients that want to drive a lot of leads and also kind of hit other areas. I don't only want to do lead gen, pure SEM or pure LinkedIn outreach. I think it's a full spectrum of this stuff. And ultimately, lead gen is a lot of short term. I think long term, 
you eventually want people coming into you and that's that's more inbound and it takes time but yeah Clint marketing is the agency and yeah happy to connect with everybody and and thank you David for giving me a chance like I feel like I've been bitching a lot and just like frustrated. So I hope it didn't come off it. as like pure like anger, but yeah. No, the, we got some great tips here. And and I do want to do that webinar on, you know, LinkedIn and, and the tips and tricks that you needed a visual for. So let's arrange that for later in the year and, and make sure that we can get that going as well. Totally. Taylor, thank you so much for coming on the show, sharing your wisdom great conversation and appreciate you supporting the the sales development community man thanks again for having me this was this was fun thanks david thank you for listening to the sales development podcast the only audio forum 100 focused and dedicated to sales development with your host david delaney please be sure to subscribe to the show on youtube and take a moment to leave us a review on itunes your support makes our show possible If you are struggling with your sales development program, contact us at 10bound.com for a no-obligation exploratory call. Again, that's 10bound.com.